The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to episode 173 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. We got a great show, see? Yeah, you mug. We got a we got a guy who was here with us way back in the beginning, see? Okay, all right. I cannot do a 1920s era gangster as much as I try, but the reason I'm doing that is because of today's guest, William Schlichter. He's a return guest. Was with us back in season one, the show's early days. And I was doing that old-time gangster talk because he is here today to talk about his new book, Sergis Blackmane, Demi-Human Gumshoe and the Dark Elf. Now, <laughs> if, if any of those words made any sense to you, it might have been gumshoe, which is the old word for private detective. And this is... Williams, some of you all know William from his days of, of being a horror author or a zombie author, you know. That's how we know William until now. This new book is fantasy crime thriller. Yes, you heard that right. He, he's diving into his own genres almost. Uh, fantasy crime thriller, and it's set in the real world, the 1920s gangster era. It's such an incredible blend of storytelling, and you're going to adore this. I have been so excited for this story because, and you're going to hear this in the interview, but I was there. Some of you all know William is in my writing club. So I was there when he first came up with the idea, and he started talking to us about it. And uh, I got firsthand information on the first uh, half of the book, and this has been so exciting, and I cannot wait for this book to come out. During this conversation, we're going to be hearing about the details and the research that went into this book, uh, how he got the idea, and uh, you know his idea that does fantasy have to be in another world? Why can't it be in our world? You know, or at least the creatures. And just so you know, William came up with this idea years before that uh, Will Smith movie or that other uh, Cara Delevingne. TV show that was on, what was it, on Netflix or something? I, I'm not sure. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it, so forgive me. Uh, but there was those shows where they had that fantasy world happening in a real, or fantasy characters in a real world. And William had this idea, it's been three or four years ago, something like that, and he started working on it, so he was first. <laughs> anyway, uh, but we're also discussing, uh, you know, he talks about the benefits of a writing group, going to conventions and how much he can't wait to get back to them. Um, and we even do a, we even do a little sharing of, of some love for Scrivener. Lots of great stuff in this episode, and I can't wait to uh, get us over to it. First, I wanted to uh, share a little bit of uh, some exciting news. Some of you all know that uh, as you if you've been following the show for a while, you know that we do have that uh, T Public store. And our t-shirts and, well, all merchandise is going to be going on sale again here in the next couple of days. Uh, 35% off everything. So $20 t-shirts are now $13. 
Last time we had a big sale, I went in myself. I grabbed a bunch of t-shirts. I've got a Sample Chapter Podcast t-shirt. My wife has the new design for that. Uh, we have more designs coming soon. And there, there are also some designs in there based on my book covers. So if you want to support you know, just me as an author, you can go in there and grab some of that. Um, but those sales are going on. I'm going to have a link in the show notes, so that way you can click in there if you'd like. Uh, if you want to reach out to the show, you can do so through email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com or give me a call, leave a voicemail at 660-851-1146. Don't forget to also follow the show on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well as our sponsors and podcast friends, uh, sponsors like Audible. Technically, they're not a sponsor, but they are a partner with the show and offering up a free audiobook and 30-day free trial. Hey, check this out so you can hear more about it. Hello, friends. Jason here. And I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a great offer from Audible. Like you, I'm very busy. I have a full-time job, a family. I'm a thriller author. And I do this weekly podcast. But I also love to read. That's where Audible is a lifesaver for me. Whether I'm mowing the yard, working out, driving back and forth to work, or doing some other menial task, I can still listen to an incredible book through Audible. And now you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash sample chapter. By doing that, you'll not only have that 30-day trial, you'll also gain access to guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, exclusive Audible originals, and even podcasts like the Sample Chapter Podcast. Last year is the first time I ever achieved my own personal reading goals, and it was because of some wonderful titles I listened to on Audible. Some of those titles were Ready Player Two by Ernest Cline, narrated by Will Wheaton, the Awaken Online series from Travis Bagwell, narrated by David Stifle. Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry, narrated by the incredible Ray Porter. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention previous guest Scott Meyer with his Magic 2.0 series, narrated by Luke Daniels. It's a lot of fun and definitely worth your time. Hey, full disclosure, by signing up at audibletrial.com samplechapter, the show does get a little monetization, which goes directly towards any production needs uh, with the show. So you're also helping us out here by signing up. So what are you waiting for? Head on over now to audibletrial.com samplechapter and start your free 30-day trial today. Yes, indeed. Thank you again to Audible. Uh, I really enjoy being a partner with them. I enjoy listening to audiobooks, and uh, I do it almost exclusively through Audible. And if you listened to me last week, I'm going to say it again. If you are somebody who is returning your audiobooks after you hear them, and for credit, you're a loser. (laughs) I mean, that's just putting it plainly, okay? Don't cut the author or, and the narrator, for that matter, you're cutting them out of uh, out of their money when you return the book. That's that is cheap. That is dishonest of you. Don't do it. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, I want to also say a big thank you to our our real sponsor, Scrivener. Scrivener Three is now available. It's amazing. They have a ton of great new features available to you, and uh, our coupon code does work. So. Check out this advertisement on how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. 
Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Thank you once again to Scrivener. That is awesome. Uh, I I say it every time, but yeah, they are my favorite writing software. And uh, you're going to hear William and I talking a little bit about some of the great stuff that you can do in it. Um, I also want to thank Pop Goes the Culture podcast and network, home to about a dozen other shows, all of them pop culture related. Lots of great shows in there to check out. I also want to thank my other network, Project Entertainment Network, home to more than 35 different shows of a huge variety. Whether you're looking for something in the horror genre, monsters, uh, faith-based uh, maybe you're looking at something in the uh, LGBTQ community. Uh, they have that. There's uh, several writing shows. There's opinionated shows, <laughs> or rather, your new opinionated shows. That That's a word that works. Uh, tons of stuff to pick from. Even sports shows there. So lots of great stuff and, uh, and book shows as well. Click that link in the show notes. For more shows like this one right here. Are you so tired of having your own thoughts? Are you just totally exhausted having your own beliefs on every single thing in the entire world? Well, don't worry. Here at Your New Opinion, we do the thinking for you. Join Ryan, Nick, and Ben. As the boys debate topics that we probably know nothing about using every dirty trick they can think of to win. Everything from if net neutrality is good or bad, to cake versus pie, to who killed JFK. So if you're looking to never have your own thoughts again, check out your new opinion every Friday. All right, see, it's time to get us on over to... I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm not gonna... You know what I should do? I should have been finding a piano riff to play in the background you know a nice dark place light my cigar get a little get a little whiskey in my glass here and just talk to you all nice and easy and tell you about this mug that uh, you're about to hear from it's william schlichter right here episode 173 of the sample chapter podcast Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, I am jumping back into the the Wayback Machine uh, with an old friend of mine and previous guest from season one, early in season one, I might add, like around episode 11 or 12, something like that, with a good friend of mine, William Schlichter. Uh, William is an award-winning screenwriter and author specializing in science fiction and the (laughs) phantasmatic. phantasmagorical world of the undead his popular no room in hell 
and Silver Dragon Chronicles are fan favorites, and he enjoys spending a lot of time on the convention circuit. If you follow him on social media, you know what he's talking about because the guy is connected. He is all over the place, uh, getting his pictures with everyone. You got to see his Uncle Fester picture. It's a fantastic <laughs> one. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was way back. You had just started to uh, to branch into other countries, which was <laughs> like, I mean, that was like, that was like, you know, instead of going from some guy doing this in his basement, you were like, wow. I mean, this was a really cool thing. This <laughs> off. And uh, I've listened to you now for, uh, I guess, a couple of years, and you've had some great I mean, I, I'm in, I'm like, I'm enthralled in some of the guests that you have. It's like, wow, I'm up here with, with these people that you, you're absolutely right. I, I sometimes will cosplay as Uncle Fester and, and uh, I actually uh, 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 met uh, Superman, um, Dean, yeah, Dean Coons. No, not Dean Coons. He's not Superman. Um, oh, crap. Now I can't think of his name. Dean Kane. Uh, Lois and Clark. Dean Kane. That's it. Yeah. Dean Kane. And uh, I met him. I was bald because I don't want to wear a headpiece to play Uncle Fester. I'll shave my head. And uh, and he goes, he goes, oh, you got a little bit of Lex Luthor going on yourself. And I said, no, I'm going to be Uncle Fester tomorrow. And he thought that was pretty cool. So, <laughs> uh, Although, you know, you could maybe maybe you could pull off uh, uh, your own version of Lex Luthor or. Uh, I, uh, yeah. After he let himself go and, and put a little weight on in the gut. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That. Oh, how about Kingpin? Kingpin would be cool. Kingpin, I, yeah. Kingpin would be a, a a fun one to a fun one to do i would i would pay money to see you in that white suit maybe have oh. the the gold cane i'm i might just have to do that <laughs> one. i have no problem shaving the head i don't want to wear latex i'm telling you oh I, it's not not any fun that's why i probably don't dress up like a zombie even though i go to all the zombie shows and conventions and and i do it's a lot of fun uh you know if you haven't been to one uh, I recommend you go uh, some of the medium sized ones to start because the big ones can get pretty crazy, but you better bring your checkbook or debit card because you'll <laughs> there's so much cool stuff at those things and, and you meet people from all over the world. Um, I mean, really, I mean, uh, uh, last I was at one, I was, I met a bunch of uh, women from Russia. I've met people from Africa Um I mean, just, uh, you know, there's, I mean, all kinds of people and just all over the country. I mean, mm -hmm. people come to these things. I mean, you'll be in the middle of Indiana and meet people from California who came just for that show. And it's like, wow. I mean, it's so cool. And then they want to talk to you about your books, which is just like, I am still enamored. Anybody, talk, <laughs> anybody picks one up and wants to read it because you know you're you're an author too and and you just any and you just feel like nobody's going to read this it's awful it's just i i can't believe i even tried to write this thing and then people tell you how how much they love it and it's just like are we reading the same book <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's it's so much fun and i appreciate you having me back because i mean yeah i i just i do i think you think this is great because it really gives you a tease into the book and then you can really decide if you want to keep going um yeah, the show has been great to, uh, you know, like you said, to tease the books. And it's also been terrible on my checkbook, uh, <laughs> speaking of cons and whatever, because I am I had to get Kindle Unlimited just so that I could keep up a little bit with uh, all the books that I find on here every week. People yeah. having great books and, oh my gosh, it's just uh, so many good ones. I mean, like yours this week, I cannot wait to dive into this. Well, you, I, I know you've heard some of it because I shared it with our writing group. 
mm-hmm. which is where we met. We are, we're in a writing group. And again, those of you that listen, because you want to be authors, find a writing group, find a writing group that is supportive, but honest, because that is something our group is. If it's a terrible sentence we've written, they do not hold back. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'm sure you got to hear some pieces of this and it's, I hope it's way better now, but I'm, I'm really excited for this, this novel. I, uh, I mean, I just, I just, this was an idea I kind of had and it's totally different. And I think that's one of the draw, uh, uh, draws to it, but it, I got tired of, um, of why does every fantasy story have to be in the middle ages? Right. You know, why do we have to have a castle and why do we have to have, you know, uh, orcs that live underground, you know, why not bring things into a modern world? And I was actually writing this uh, before Bright came out, the Will Smith movie on Netflix. Yeah. Um, uh, I was already had this into play before that was even announced. Uh, And that was a modern take, but I also kind of thought that they just made it modern with an orc. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to pull back in this detective story. I said it in 1923, and our main character's uh, a dwarf. Uh, I describe it as Gimli uh, from Lord of the Rings meets the Maltese Falcon. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so, I mean, he's like Sam Spade, trench coat, the fedora. And and I really wanted to play with that time period a lot. Uh, And I had several reasons I wanted to play with the time period. Besides, it's a lot of fun to have written dragons and and dwarves and orcs and into speakeasies, which Mm -hmm. was a blast. Uh, But I also wanted to uh, delve into a little bit about what happened with soldiers after the Great War. Um, You know, they suffered from shell shock and there was a lot of drinking because of that. So, of course, our main character, he's a little bit of an alcoholic because he was in the war. uh, And I wanted to discuss that a little bit. Uh, as well but I think it's just uh, Publishers Weekly said readers are in for some fun Uh, I've been getting some great reviews on this and it's just it's just a fun time and it's a a world I hope to explore in a couple more books not sequels Uh, I want to be kind of like Agatha Christie and we'll see this character in a new mystery in the next book still in the same time period uh, as far as it goes but I just just this whole idea that there's this meshing world in 1923 where dragons and orcs still exist and uh, and yet we're rum running and and mm-hmm. and shooting tommy guns and we have flapper girls dancing and and I just I, I it's a it's a fun ride uh it is a mystery so there is a murder to solve and uh, I just it's just a lot of fun I, and and, I, and that's one thing as, as a writer when you can come up with something that's really a lot of fun and you can kind of live in that world for a while that's that's great and, and I hope everybody enjoys I I agree and everybody's I, I don't know if we mentioned this before but yeah the the name of the book that's coming up and, and I guess you saw on the uh, title here but it's uh Sergius <clears throat> Sergius Blackmane Demi-Human <clears throat> man I am just talking great today that's Demi- right demi-human gumshoe and the dark elf and it's like you said i mean this is you have a detective uh dwarf (laughs) with the beard and everything but picture that dwarf in a trench coat and a fedora and a tommy gun and he is solving the mystery and it's i still remember you walking into uh writing club and first telling us about this that you you were just you had that twinkle in your eye oh, i still and I knew something I, special was coming <laughs> i hope i i am i'm telling you i 
I just thought this was the greatest thing. And it really, I was reading some article where somebody was griping about how every fantasy novel has this problem and this is so cliche. And I thought, well, you know, it's our job as writers to take the cliche and make it into something new and different and exciting for people to want to read. And it's like, okay, I want to write a fantasy story. I don't mm -hmm. want it to be with a castle. I want it to have a twist. And then there's a real mystery too, you know, the murder uh, that, that goes on. And it was a lot of fun to research this because I read a lot of Dashiell Hammett, of course, in the Maltese Falcon and some of his screenplays and the language and the slang terms. I had no idea some of the slang terms that started in the <laughs> 1920s. I thought some of them didn't come around until much later. But like the fuzz was a 1920s term for police officers. They oh, used wow. coppers. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Uh, money is is all vegetables. Lettuce, cabbage, <laughs> you know. Uh, Dame, of course, came about at the time. Uh, Canary's a singer uh you know gams were legs uh some of those i mean i you know people say some of those still today but just to research the slang terms were so much fun and to get into the mode of talking the way that you think these people people would talk you know they, they would if they're going to kill you they're going to put you on ice if they're going to uh if, you know you're going to use their heater it's not a gun it's a heater you know it's just, <laughs> it's just been a blast and then researching the uh, you know there was such a feminist movement uh with women in the flapper outfits that they wore the, mm. their dresses because you know women started shaving their legs and they were showing off their uh, lower calf which was scandalous beyond oh belief gosh. Yes. I mean, <laughs> so you have these moments where, you know, these women are just horrible women because they're showing off, uh, you know, the leg below the knee. And it's just <laughs> like, and it's so much fun to write that stuff. And yet we realize that we've come a long way in society and yet we haven't because some of these issues still pertain to us today. And it's, it's, I, I, it's not a heavy social commentary piece, but there are some issues that, that I, I strive for in there, but I think it makes the character more realistic because his social commentary on the way people are being treated is still issues that we deal with today or that we don't address and, and they were accurate back then and they're, they're relevant today. And then it's just a lot of fun. It's just a fun ride of him going to speakeasies and trying to fill it, figure out who committed this murder and shooting Tommy guns and <laughs> and uh, and uh, everything. But I have um, I did do I did decide one thing. The story is called The Dark Elf, uh, and that's the name of the speakeasy. And it's uh, but there are no elves in my story. I went with no elves. Uh, I was tired of supermodel elves, which is another <laughs> awful trope in fantasies. And elves might have existed at one time, but if anything, you know, as you're running around with dragons and trolls and, and rock giants and fairies, and you hear, you know, elves were the mythical creature of the world, like, there's no way something like that ever existed, you know, <laughs> so you, 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 have, you, have, you have some fun with those things as, as well, and, and you get to create these worlds, and so I, I hope the, the readers pick it up and enjoy, because it's, it's, it's a quick read, the first one is, is a quick read as an introduction to the world, and uh, I hope to write a couple more, I do want to do different mystery each time, we'll just follow our main character and some of the side characters into it, and, 
and uh, but I don't want to do a series like my zombie series where every book you got to read book one before you read book two. Oh yeah. And this one I want. I mean, you can pick up any Agatha Christie with Perot. You know, you can go on the Nile or you can go on the Orient Express, and the order doesn't really matter. So that's kind of what I want to do with this. It's just another mystery in this wonderful world where somebody else has been killed. Um, yeah, the and, ongoing uh, adventures of Sergius Blackmane. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll oh, be a lot of fun. Um, and and it's, I, I, you know, you take some liberties and you change some things, but it's it's great because you kind of take some dwarf mythology and he's dealing with issues not quite the way a human would do. He's kind of following his dwarf heritage. And, <laughs> and that's fun to really write a character like that out of, um, you know, I mean, if you're writing, if you're writing a vampire hunter or you're writing, uh, you know, a motorcycle gang member, you know, they all kind of have a certain lifestyle. But here's a guy that's sort of out of place in a world that's sort of normal with speakeasies and drinking. And and yet, you know, he grew up as a dwarf. And 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 historically, I mean, I do kind of follow uh, not as totally Tolkien mythology, but the whole kind of idea of the way we expect a dwarf to behave. And here he is, like you said, in the trench coat with the fedora, and he's still got the beard and his and his braids. And and I did leave him his boots. He is in a suit with a tie, even though you can't see the tie underneath the uh, underneath the beard. He's in a suit and a tie, but he wears his dwarf boots. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, you know, you gotta. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, that's good though. And I remember there being a scene where I can't remember if it was at his office or at his home where he's got like the family battle axe or yes. hammer and it's yes. hanging over the mantle or something like that. It is a battle axe. He carried it during the war. Uh, and yeah, it's hanging in his office behind the desk. Uh, it's not a big secret to the reader. Uh, the, the blade covers the safe on the wall. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, but he, uh, he carries his axe and it does come into play uh in in the story uh in fact the second one i want to write he's going to have to deal with a murderer who likes to use an axe so he might get a little uh, a little uh, more axe play in there but yeah i mean because you kind of feel like a, you're right a dwarf would carry an axe or a hammer and so you still get that feel you know he carried it, it was a big family honor to carry it during the war and and uh and uh, uh we do have flashbacks where he's in the great war uh, and he's dealing with some of his shell shock, but uh, the military decided to put dwarfs, they gave every platoon a dwarf because dwarfs knew how to dig, you know, because dwarfs are supposed to be miners. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he always gets kind of irritated with that because um, I've decided in the story that uh, dwarfs clan names were based on their kind of occupation. So he's a black man because his clan actually raised horses. Oh, Okay. So, uh, yeah, so like if there was one, I think in the novel, it says if they were steel flayer, they were sword makers, their clan made swords. So he's like, I'm not a digger. You know, they stuck all these dwarves to help dig trenches in the war. <laughs> and so, so he deals with that and everything. So, yeah, but he's uh, he doesn't like orcs. They fought them in the war. The war was against the orcs and they went over to, to Europa uh, and fought and uh, so he deals with that and uh, s- some of the things that he saw over there still kind of haunt him a little bit uh, he doesn't like mages and he has to team up with the local constable actually the justice agent the fbi did not exist in 1923 they were the justice department so he has to basically team up with 
the local FBI agent who's a magician or a mage, and he can't handle that because he smells. He sm- his nose is his superpower. Mm-hmm. and he can smell you know this that and the other thing and so magic stinks to him and so every time he's got to go deal with the justice agent he's got to smell the magic on him and it just irritates him and he's, <laughs> he's kind of a crotchety old man even though he's not a crotchety old man and he's he's one of those kind of people he just he goes i don't like this i don't like that you know and then, and then you as you go through you kind of start out at the beginning you're kind of indifferent about him but then he as the story develops i think you you really grow to care for him because he's 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 just he's a he's a lovable character but he's gruff and 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 you love him because he's gruff and he and he <laughs> and he deals with those things but uh, i like to think he's pretty realistic in his in his dealings with coming back from the war and that was something else i i put a lot of research into i really spent a lot of time in 1923 developing yeah. developing this story and and that was fun too because it gave you an excuse to explore this world that is fascinating and we make movies about all the time and and uh, i mean imagine living in that time where you couldn't well you could get you actually see you could get alcohol walgreens if you had a prescription you could go to walgreens and get liquor mm-hmm. okay uh, yeah i didn't know that either i didn't really i mean but you if you had a medical note you could still get liquor but everybody went to speakeasies and enjoyed and then of course people made it in their bathtubs which is why mixed drinks became popular because you were drinking gasoline (laughs) (laughs) and uh i i don't know you know i the the part of the country where we're in you know near warrensburg uh one of our writing groups sent a whole big old story about stills in warrensburg at the time in 23 and it's just they were all over the place people were making bathtub gin everywhere (laughs) (laughs) you know oh my gosh it's it just it paints such an awesome picture in my head like you know of course i got to i've already had a peek inside with the uh some of his flashbacks to the the great war and him running through the trenches and dealing with all that but then just picturing him holding that giant battle axe in one hand and a tommy gun blazing (laughs) away in the other just paints such a picture oh it does oh, i've got an artist yeah. doing a rendition of that for me so i can put it i'm going to do it on a on a um on a on a on a one of those stretchy signs to to put at my booth when i do a show <laughs> and uh so and I, i've got a couple other characters i'm actually i've turned this into a uh, tv pilot uh, I'm working on another master's degree because apparently I have nothing to do but go to school. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so um, I wrote a, another uh, a pilot episode and you have to put that stuff together. So I'm going to have some people do some of the sketches and some of the characters to put in my book to, for marketing purposes to get my next degree. But it's so much fun. And, and the interesting thing about the writing of, the, of these noir pieces isn't so much the physical description of the characters this is a writer thing mm-hmm. but uh and i know you and i we we talk writing all the time and and, and anytime you know because it's the craft sometimes you just want to listen to an author because of the craft but yeah. the interesting thing was is it's not a description of the character's physicalness in these noir pieces and i didn't realize this but now that i've been listening to it and i learned it i hear it now even in modern noir stories it's the clothing it's a strong description of the clothing that they mm. wore not you know they had blue eyes and blonde hair or you know it's how the clothing 
is on them. It's not even how tight or how loose the clothing fit. It's like the style of clothing they wore. And uh, something I learned that was fascinating, and I don't know that I actually put it in this book, but I do make sure that character women wore Mary Janes, but the flapper girls wore Mary Jane shoes. And the more straps they had on them, the more in style you were. I had no idea. And that's just something else that you learn while you're doing this research. And sometimes you can fit those into a story and sometimes you can't. But I thought, wow, I mean, I, I, I would never have known that or thought about it. I mean, in movies, most of the time, just show a girl with Mary Janes and one strap. But I mean, apparently it was a big deal to have multiple straps on their Mary Jane shoes. And that was that, you know, the more you could have, the more fashionable you were and, and, and everything. So it's just been it's, I mean, it's, it's like this great thing that you've learned and yet you were able to use a lot of it. There's a, I read a book on drinks that were popular in the time frame, And uh, there's one that's in the book, a female character asks for a certain drink. And uh, according to my research, uh, it was a drink that knocked most men on their butt. Oh, wow. So it was a lot of fun to play with stuff like that. And of course, that's one of those kind of Easter eggs that the reader may they would have to know that to get that moment, but it was a lot of fun to put that in there due to the research. And I didn't ruin it by explaining that this was a, a not even a man's drink. This was a drink that just took people down. And this woman asked us <laughs> one. And I thought, well, the people that know that will catch that and love it. Um, I tell slightly different joke with him asking for it. He's like, he offers the girl a drink in his office at the detective agency. He's like, I'm not, a, this isn't a bar. I mean, I, you know, I've got some rum in the drawer in the bottom. I mean, you know, so asking for, and so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but um, the mystery aspect was a challenge too. Um, I kind of wrote the end. I always kind of write the ends to my stuff, but I kind of wrote the, 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 everybody's in the same room with the detective and he's going to tell you who the murderer is seen, even though that's not how it goes down. That's the scene that you think of. And then you have to go back and you have to make sure you've got all those clues, but not too many clues. Right. And then you've got to have some red herrings and some things. And then I did put a couple of hints in there. I've got another idea for uh, another story with him. And I, I left that story as, as one of the reviewers said, there's a couple loose ends. And I thought, I decided to cut the novel at where I did. And I, I, cause those weren't just loose ends. Those were like, yeah. those could be complete stories with intentional. Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them I was going to solve in the book. And then I thought, no, this, this is actually getting big enough to be its own novel. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. And again, I'm going to take him into a new element that we won't have seen uh, and, which again is so much fun to do with your characters when you can take them someplace new and exciting and, and give us something different uh, and yet see how they they handle it so and uh, I'm looking forward to it I've kind of got a draft going of, of the second one so I hope this one does well and people enjoy it and and want to continue to follow this character because I want to continue to follow this character because he's just he's just great well and I think I think what what stands out to me is having been there been present for some of your other books in the past and of course prior to this i mean my gosh you got dark with serial killers anonymous Mm uh this was like i said this was you had a twinkle in your eye with this one i you could tell uh everybody around could tell you were having a lot of fun with this one and i think it's it's going to come across i hope so and my mom can read it (laughs) yes my mom is not allowed to read my serial killer books 
I don't blame her. I, I don't and blame you there. Yes. I had, and and my sister, who has traveled traveled four hours to one show just to get the serial killer book because uh, she wanted it so bad, and I had <laughs> uh, I had copies to sell before it was released. So uh, she met Megan too, but you know I, she came oh, from yeah. my book. Let's exactly. face exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Came, um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey and, Dean's the diamond. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> and so uh, I and we both have told her no, don't, don't, don't read them mom don't read them but this one i've said mom you can read this one i was like you can there read you this go. one and i think it's covers it uh, the beauty of it too is, is it does cover levels i mean you do have our main character suffers from a little bit of shell shock uh and i think some adults will appreciate that more and i think you know younger readers might catch on that he's a little bit traumatized but i don't think you know they're going to enjoy it for other reasons or appreciate it for other reasons and other people are going to read it and go oh I understand why he's the way he is and other people, you know, I, I think, and I didn't start out to write it. Like it has five levels. I just tried to tell a good story with this character. Yeah. And, and I think, and I also don't know, you know, you say that and, and you're right. I don't know that this would have been like a first novel for me. You know, if, even if I'd had this idea, I think this is one of those that I have become a better writer through writing other books that this is why this one is I feel this this one is so I'm so proud of it I'm proud of all of my novels because I mean anytime you write anything you should be proud whether you're published or not because getting the words on the page is is a task in itself yeah but I think that he this one is this one I'm really proud of because it, it just so got so much going on and I didn't even like intend for it to do it's just the way the character is and the way you can tell the story with him. And, and he's so much fun. I mean, he's just so much fun and he can be dark at times and lighthearted. And, and, and even though he's gruff and cranky, like your grandpa, you know, he still, <laughs> he still does things that are, he still does the right thing in the end for the right reasons. And he has a code, you know, he has certain things that he, he believes and follows and that's just a, a lot of fun. And, and, and he also has those moments too, where, he kind of feels like, you know, maybe, you know, humans and non-humans shouldn't really mix. And he didn't realize just how much people were coming together in the city and all that stuff. So sometimes it's kind of a shock for him, too, that people are not separated. The war kind of brought everybody together after it was over. Mm. And so, again, there's so much going on in here and it's just so much fun. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I hope the, the readers check it out and enjoy because it's just I, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's one of those things too. And, and you'll read it. And it's one of those things that you can just see as a TV series, you know, where it'd be a lot of fun to explore this world and, uh, and, and give everybody what they want because so many people just, you know, I mean, we love our fantasy stories, but again, they're the same settings over and over yeah. again, you know, give us something different, give us something fun and new and exciting. And yet why not have a dwarf and a dragon and uh, and there are dragons the dragon actually the president's <laughs> dragon i uh, like the dragons yes <laughs> yeah and the main villain is kind of a dragon he's of the dragon species you know and and uh, there's a, a a couple other characters i love the troll bouncers i need to get somebody to draw those up for me because <laughs> at, this, at the dark elf they all wear white tuxedoed suits and i just see this green furry troll with the bright yellow eyes and he's wearing this because because everybody's in custom fit suits you know custard <laughs> custom whited suits and there's one time where he's getting a, his pipe lit and an afrit the little uh fire demons 
uh, I think, uh, for Middle Eastern mythology. He pops out of, of the thing to light, to light his pipe, and he's even the top half of a little tuxedo. <laughs> They're all, all, the vil, uh, all the villains, all the people that work at the Dark Elf, I guess they end up being the villains. They're all in their perfect white tuxes, you know, built custom fit for them. And I just, I just, like I said, I just see this troll in my head, you know, this gruffy troll, and he's in that white suit. And it's just like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, where else can you do that, you know, other than in a book? But I mean, to really tell that story, it just sets that that world up. And and uh, it's like I said, yeah, you're right. It was so much fun to write. And it was so much fun to share with the group. And I'm, I'm glad it's in print. And uh, again, I hope people really enjoy it. And uh, I want to, like I said, I think they'll enjoy it enough. I want to bring this character in for a couple more stories. And it was funny, one of the reviews I read, because some of the advanced copies that were out there, some of the reviews I wrote, they, they, they mentioned a couple things. And I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm going to tell that in another story. <laughs> I want to know more about this. And I thought, well, I didn't even know that I intended it for that. But yes, I want to play with that some more. So because I didn't I didn't sit down. It was going to be just a one. You know, when I originally wrote it, it was just going to be a standalone one. And then the character really just just stuck with me. And I just went, oh, he could just do a whole series of mysteries. You know, he can just solve another mystery in the next book and and you can have fun and play with it. And you don't have to read book one before you read book two. And uh, and it just he'll just solve a new mystery every time and, and, and all that. And I just think that'll be fun. Yeah, and I think some of that comes from your ability to restrain yourself a little bit. Uh, you know, don't add elves. Don't add some of these other things. Don't tell all everything about some of the background stuff that's going on. It gets peppered in once in a while, but you keep the, sto the story tight and moving, and that way you can bring it back. It can be another string later on in, in the next book or something else. And yeah, I, oh. I think it's very well done. Oh, yeah, thank you. Well, I actually kind of have backed off on some of his flashbacks into the war, because I've all kind of decided if I, I, I when I write a final one, I want him to that the, the final book might actually be about his time in the war. Okay. And I've been reading, I was reading about some of the people, uh, some World War, well, we call World War One, the Great War veterans who wrote about their time in there and stuff and for research. And I thought, you know, I might just play around with after it's all done. Um, and I've said this happened in the war and that happened in the war. I might do a whole uh, kind of a prequel of, of his time during the war uh, when I'm completely com kind of completely done. And I've actually written some of that just to, so we know what went on during the war uh, for him, because on one level, I don't want him to have done everything during the war. But, uh, you know, there were some things that happened. But, yeah, when you said there's no elves on my board, I, I do boards, uh, bulletin board uh you know, storyboards or notes and all that stuff. And in the corner and a big card in red, giant red letters are no elves. <laughs> like one of my many rules, you know, and, and, and you have to be careful too, when you're a writer, you know, like I gave him his smell, his smell, you know, he, he, they smell really, really well. And so you have to constantly be reminded of, of uh, certain scents. You know, when you go someplace, he smells this or he doesn't smell this or oh, why yeah. doesn't he smell this? um you know uh and and that's kind of an interesting uh, thing that that from a writing standpoint it's like okay i've given this character a superpower you know and it's his nose 
So why didn't he smell this on this person when he when he went in the room? Because when the earlier chapter he smelled this when he went over here, and and that's something that people you know they eat you alive in superhero <laughs> movies, and all of a sudden they forget that they had this power, you know, or in the last movie right. they had this power, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, so that's 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 the that's a, another thing that you you don't think of uh, uh, until you really get down. You've got to have those notes on your big screen, you know. It's like oh no, he's he he would smell that. Plus, it's interesting to play with the fact that he does smell some things that other people don't, or and certain certain creatures have a certain smell that either irritate him or not. Like mages, you know, they you know, with magic smells. You know, he's almost allergic to it. It drives him crazy. So those things are a lot of fun, but. Um, yeah, it's it's an exciting read. It's it's pretty quick. Uh, like I said, I didn't realize how fast of a read it would be, but I think that's part of the the style too, because I really tried to capture the style of that uh, of that Maltese Falcon style of book with that detective, even though those were written in the '30s. That whole noir feel uh, uh, was was great. You know, down to down to one of my favorite lines. Um, you know, it's like you, you know you, you know who shot him. Yeah, somebody with a gun. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, oh man, I just, it's just, I love those those little bits. You know, that quick comeback humor that, and and to try to capture it, but yet write it in a modern way so it doesn't feel cliche and 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 uh, and overdone. I think it really does have uh, some some new stuff, and and he's he's different. He's a he's a different kind of character, and and. Uh, and and so are the villains and uh, i'm gonna try to I, i'm gonna my villain i keep thinking of the second one I, i'll be because the villain in that one i'm gonna i'm gonna bring forward uh will be a surprise uh, as far as that goes because i he's not a he's not a sexist man for the 1920s where you thought you think he would be he's actually pretty open-minded when it comes to women because dwarf women you know would go to battle with them and everything else so sometimes when humans are kind of not happy that their female companions are being a little too free with themselves um you know he's like what's the big deal <laughs> but, but yet you know you know what, what's a human doing working in this club in in the in the non-human part of the city you know that bothers him but he doesn't care that she's in an outfit where she can see her legs you know so, <laughs> well, i think those are fun those contradictions you do with those characters as well oh my gosh he's definitely a departure from what you've done before and it sounds like it's been a, a fun one uh, like we said previously your most recent release prior to this was ska the serial killers anonymous about a uh self-help group for serial killers which yes. was an incredible idea i think we talked about that a little bit we touched on you were still working on it when still working on it whenever we yeah and that one's been out for a while and that's uh been a big seller uh people love it uh people love people are fascinated by serial killers and i did a lot of research in fact i'm writing a serial killer novel right now um uh and uh modern serial killer uh, and uh, it's it, there's there's something new with every one of them because you go into their heads uh, and that's one thing I do is I try to go into their heads and and see the psychology it's not just the cop chasing them which is what a lot of them are I try to delve into the minds of the serial killers and and actually after doing that it's fun to go do a really fun happy project even if this one isn't that happy <laughs> and you and he deals with a shell shock it's a lot happier than um 
than uh, the the serial killers. In fact, uh, the new one I'm working on, uh, the final killer is a cannibal and he's trying to perfect, and I did say final killer, there's more than one. Um, he's trying to perfect his chili recipe by finding the right cut of meat. Okay. And sometimes after I write a couple of those chapters, I have to go work on something else. I, I, don't, I, I don't blame I you. I can't stay with that because just the thought process that he goes to the chili cook-off with his chili is, to me, is so disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> because when it's off i actually had read and this is true by the way um i had read that jeffrey dahmer would give his neighbors sandwiches mm. that one of the neighbors came forward and after he was caught and said he used to bring us loose meat sandwiches all the time <laughs> and i thought you know i'm thinking that that is even more disturbing than what he did that's just 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 mm. disturbing so i took that and ran with it with the with the new serial killer and <laughs> oh my gosh and 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 the zombie stuff is dark but that's not i mean and i write some disturbing stuff in there but i never feel like i'm that doesn't really disturb me because that's just kind of that world serial yeah. killers are in our world and they exist today and i think that's more disturbing than blowing a zombie up uh, as far as that goes and my sci-fi stuff's fun it's adventure sci-fi and it has you know but but yeah this one this one's just fun even though it has its moments you know and i mean he does like i said he does suffer from shell shock but it's just the other moments are so much fun you can just enjoy and and i think he's got some potential in this kind of new I, i've kind of mapped out the next two uh with him and and I, I want to write the second one so I can write this really cool idea for the third one, you know, because he's just uh, the mysteries that he can do and solve and this world that you can explore. Uh, and I've got this great new villain for the second one that <laughs> will just, I think, will surprise people. Uh, and there's kind of a villain. That's not even the killer that he's going to solve the mystery for. I mean, there's a new villain um, in in that one. And, and uh and I think that the readers will really appreciate that that new villain. And so I have no idea when that'll be done or when that one will come out. But because you know how that goes, I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we'd we'd all like to write it and it'd be perfect on the first run and and be in in our hands. But I I do a lot of editing and I spend a lot of time editing these and going through and reading uh, to make sure that there's a if there's a spot where you can really insert a good slang from the twenties. I, oh, I really yeah. want to put that in there and, and, and you'll go through and I don't know if you remember, I would, I'd put brackets around words in the sentence because it's like, I'm going to find the right slang term for that word <laughs> and whatever they would have said in 1923. And I was reading about this or that and the other thing. And, and uh, we were talking before we got started. I was like, I was like, and, and if somebody knows, send it to me because I'd love to know. But I was trying to find really hard what how they referred to a woman being pregnant. And and we're talking a married, respectable woman. You just they, I couldn't all I can find is they just didn't talk about. It. Yeah. Even even married, respectable women, they were pregnant. And uh, and uh, so trying to find that term, a few people I found a few references to in a family way. Uh, uh, and that was about it. But a lot of times, even respectable women just didn't go out once they started to show. Uh, it just wasn't proper. Mm -hmm. And so I just couldn't find a lot of references to a woman being pregnant. So any listener knows what they said in 1923, let us know, because I would love to 
to add that in there, though I don't know that there'll be any more pregnant women after the first one, uh, because that was germane to the story. But uh, ah. as far as that goes, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's a it's a lot of fun, I'm telling you. And and doing that, it's fun research. You know, you're in high school and your teacher's like, go do a research paper, and you're like, because I'm making my comp kids do a research <laughs> paper, and I'm sure they're like, Oh, this is awful. And now I'm like, okay, I'm doing this for fun and yeah, <laughs> looking oh stuff up and and learning all these cool things, and even down to learning about the Great War. I mean, I remember watching one movie in high school about it, and we kind of skipped. We didn't really go into it very much, you know. Dirk, Duke Ferdinand was shot, and then you know, we <laughs> and that was it. And right. So just learning about some of that stuff, and uh, those are fun um, to read and and study for to to make this book feel so real. So, like I said, I, I hope uh, I hope your listeners enjoy it. Oh man! Well, the book comes out uh, May twenty seventh. I can't wait. Uh, like I said, I've, I've got to hear up to about uh, two thirds of the way through before COVID came yeah. along, something like that. And then, uh, man, I've been in the dark for the last year, so I'm that's so true. excited. I wouldn't know. That's probably all you would have gotten because I don't know that I would have. <laughs> I think you probably would have held it back anyway. I, I did. I, uh, some of the readers, I, some of my beta readers, I only, I didn't, I stopped before the scene where we found out who the killer was. Uh, and uh, I asked them if they, who they thought it was. And none of them, I had one student who made a suggestion of who the killer was and then he said there's no way that's who the killer could be but nobody else got it okay and i neither confirmed or denied his suspicion because he backed <laughs> off he said there's no way it's that person it's got to be you know so I, again i think that's a key to a good mystery too is, is they don't always figure out who who the killer you got to have some good side characters you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not Scooby-Doo where there are two other characters. So one of them has got to be the monster. Right. You know? Yeah. It's got to be know? the person you least expected exactly. and yet makes total sense. Total sense. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's what I'm mapping out right now with the second one is, is I'm setting up three possible suspects to be the killer. Um, and, and so I'm just trying to figure out how he gets to one of them. Like, how does he even know that this person's a suspect? And that's a challenge. It's like, I, and, and I've written scenes where he interacts with that character and I don't know if they're the killer yet or not, but <laughs> maybe I do know, I don't know. But it's like, how does he, how does he suspect this person? And it's like believable. It's like, where, how does he find out this piece of information and it fits into the story, which is an interesting challenge. It's amazing. And, and I know you write books and, and I enjoyed your, I enjoy your nine mile bridge. It is nine mile, right? Yeah, 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 nine mile, yeah. yeah. I enjoy your nine mile. Well, I, I and I've told you this before. I said what I like about it is she took all those mysteries surrounding that real bridge that existed, and you combine them into the book. So it's like which, <laughs> you know which you know which myth about this bridge is real or not real or right. To me, that's that's brilliant. That's um, they did that with a. Speaking of serial killers, they did that in the 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 From Hell movie where they put all the all the Jack the Ripper theories into one movie, and it's oh, like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I loved about your book was oh, all those you. different theories coming together. <laughs> but it's an interesting challenge. It's like, okay, he has to interview this person because it makes perfect sense that they're the killer. But it's like, how does he realize they're a suspect? How did they come on his radar? And you'd think that would be an easy thing for a writer to come up with. Because you've I've written all this stuff where he interacts with his character, he meets with them, and he does all that stuff. But it's like, how does he figure out that they're a suspect? Right. 
especially in this kind of off world, uh, off, you know, different, different kilter, you know, there's no internet. He couldn't just type it in the internet and look it up. I mean, he has to have a reason to go find out that this person is, is mm. a suspect. So oh, I was like, gosh. that's kind of fun as a challenge too. So I think <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I, you know, we don't all just sit in a dark room with our keyboard, you know, staring at the screen to write. I mean, we really do try to get out there and do, you know, really make these stories tell. And it's, it's so exciting now because you, you're, you're to a point where you, you talk about these things with people and they're just fascinated by it because you've published a book, but yet I like to talk to beginning people too, because it's oh, like, yeah. how did you come up with this or you come up with that and, and, and writers and, and I just, it's just, you know, so much fun. And, and I, I appreciate what you do with, with this. And, and that's not just because you had me on again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's like you said, I mean, it's, yeah, it, don't get me wrong. It's a lot of fun to talk to Steve Walton or, or Lou Diamond Phillips, LDP to friends. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun, but I, I really enjoy talking to the brand new authors and just getting the feedback and like, oh my gosh, that's what you did. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think there's a lot of it that doesn't come across in the show because we're talking about before or yeah. after the show and they're finally like, they're really comfortable then, but it's 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 a blast i just i love doing but it i uh, i moderated a panel with timothy zahn and uh i don't even remember what the topic of the panel was because i was too busy asking him questions <laughs> <laughs> first of all i'm the moderator what are they going to do uh <laughs> you know, and it's like I, I know i was supposed to ask him star wars questions which i did but i was just like you know it's like well what'd you do here how'd you do this why'd you do that i was like i don't even remember. nobody complained Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really don't remember what my topic of the panel was supposed to be because I got in there and I my notes went out the window and I just started asking <laughs> because I wanted to know I wanted to know so bad where he came up with this and that and why he decided to do this and it's like you know what are they going to do not let me moderate ever again who cares <laughs> I got to ask him questions <laughs> so much fun but yet I meet people who come up to my table and ask questions about writing and they're trying to be a writer. And some, I mean, I, some of those I'll write down and I'll take back and use in my class, but it's always, you know, everybody's process is so different and yet you can take away and learn from them. And, and it just, I just, I think that's one of the best things. It's like, Oh, I do this or I plan this. And we talk about that a lot in our writing group. You know, we will have meetings where it's like, well, we all share one time. We all shared how we outline. And every one of us had a different method. And yet there were things in everybody's method. You could go, Oh, I kind of could do that. Yeah. I like that. Oh, that I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. And, and really pull. And um, you, you still have your sponsor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, we, they showed us how to use Scribner and, uh, and uh, it allows you to keep all those notes on the screen. And I have not brought myself to do that. I still like my board, but I'm getting close. <laughs> I'm getting close, you know, especially the more you write in a series to actually have it at a fingertip, you know, but you can do your boards on Scribner if I'm not mistaken, right? I yeah. mean, not yeah. to promote your sponsor, I, but I, I no, mean, no, I mean, yeah, because you know, I want your readers to buy my book. But if you I mean, I know there are people that because I listen sometimes because I want to hear about the, the person's process. Mm-hmm. You know, besides, I do want their book. It's like, oh, I like that author. I mean, and I know you're going to talk to them a little bit about how they write. And and I think that's the cool thing about it. But, yeah, you can do your boards on Scrivener and then you've got it there at a fingertip. 
and I think that's cool because the more you write a character or, the, or you write a series, the more notes you've got. I mean, for I mean, I can only imagine the kind of notes George Lucas has. <laughs> it was it was the first time I really got to experience some of the cool things Trevor can do was when I started book two of my series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I, I learned how to copy them over to the new story. So all my notes came over. So I had all the characters, even though some of the characters may not be surviving yet, but I, I'm still going to reference them once in a while. And I have those notes there. It's like, okay, here's my humans. Here's my aliens. Here's places. Everything came over. And now I'm adding to that. And I realized, yeah, by the time I get to book three, book four, this is going to be huge. I, I may, I may look into that. I really, I'm getting close. I'm getting close. Plus I'm starting to run out of room with all the books, the boards, the series is too. It's, you can't really take them apart, but I'm very visual. I do like my boards. I do like my, but when you said that characters that that didn't maybe didn't survive, I in my science fiction series, I red shared a character real fast, um, and I do it. And the the main character has to live with that for a long time, which is the proper way to red shirt a character. By the way, yeah, you don't just kill a character, you know, to kill them. This is a character whose death really bothers the main character. And to the point where he's not, he questions his leadership ability of the group because all of a sudden this person who might even have been better trained than they were, were was killed. And now they have to deal with that. And as opposed to, though, I probably do kill just a few people in the zombie book just to, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's face it. You're reading a zombie book. You want somebody to be eaten by the zombie. Yeah, yep. That's kind of an expected bit, <laughs> but in other stories, just I, I i'm not a fan of just killing a character to kill a character there has to be a reason it it has to play off mm-hmm. uh for sure so yeah but uh Absolutely. yeah that's uh you know again i i love to listen and talk about your process the processes and hear how so because it's amazing i mean even people you think that you've had on that are like i mean like authors you know like famous people yeah <laughs> and it's like really they have that problem too <laughs> oh gosh yeah it, it's yeah, amazing it's like, yeah it's just it's just fascinating it really is yeah it's it makes me sometimes look into like oh man maybe i should just do a more in-depth author show it's like okay no no this is this is my show there's other shows like that it's like as fun as it is i'll stick with my format for now and and i i think so i i think it's good and it's different and and yeah you're right there are other i've been on other podcasts that want to just talk about how to format something or how you did this or how you did that which those are fun those are a blast oh yeah they really are gotta leave something on the table oh yeah always (laughs) well speaking of uh like i said the book is coming out may 27th so everybody make sure you grab a copy it's available for pre-order right now uh i know i'm going to be grabbing one for myself uh where can people find and follow you um well you'll put up my name right yep because you got to spell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like uh, mine. <laughs> yeah, it's you've got to spell it. Um, I have an Instagram account. Uh, I think it's W Schlichter or W M Schlichter. If not, that's my Twitter uh, at. And I have a Facebook author page. I have. I'm with a BHC Press, uh, and there's an author page on there, and you can actually order my books from the publisher. Uh, I have, uh, let's see. Oh, I have my own website, Sandman and Zombies, the two villains from my first two series, sandmanandzombies.com and all my books are, well, this one's not on there yet. That's coming up very soon. I'm getting that, 
updated web page that'll have all my books on it. So you can always follow me there. And it has links to my Instagram and my Twitter as well. Um, and I do shows all over the, well, I did. did. I'm starting up again in May. I'm getting going back to, there again. <laughs> I'm getting back there. I'm, I'm going to only try to do six um, this year. Uh, hopefully nothing gets canceled. We seem to be doing good. I'm supposed to be in Georgia two days after this book comes out. So I'll have copies. I'll be in P, uh, Peachtree. It's a big Walking Dead festival called The Camp. Okay. It's going to have, it's going to have a lot of, um, uh, not it's going to have some big cast members but it also uh, michonne's walkers are going to be there and i'm telling you i want to oh. meet them yeah <laughs> and, and and for a minute you know i mean i have a master's in theater and, and i've been on stage in some community shows and and worked with kids and everything and you know what i mean meeting megan is cool but the extras are equally as cool in my book because sometimes mm -hmm. they steal the show. They make it happen. I mean, I, I, I love when I'm on stage to be an extra. I really do. I don't want to be the lead. I don't want that responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, and it <laughs> is going to be full of a lot of the other characters that we see on the show that are not necessarily the, the headliners, but like just the, the extras that you see in every episode. Yeah. And I think it's going to be cool to meet a lot of them. They're going to do some photo ops. It should be a lot of fun. And I'm going to have my zombie books. I'll have everything. And then of course, we're going to put, uh, put out the, the, uh, the new detective novel and, and see what happens to it. And I'm excited. It'll be nice to get out there again. Uh, they'll follow all safety measures that are in place. I'm sure. Cause I know I'll be taking my masks if uh, just in case um because we want to be safe and and mm -hmm. it'll be interesting we'll look back on this in 20 years and they go like what are they talking about Being oh, safe from, <laughs> from the zombies yes exactly exactly yeah, yeah so yeah um i think it'll be fun i think uh uh to do that and then hopefully you know uh next year or so once everybody can be safe we'll start to do some tours again and and get out there because there's nothing more fun than going and meeting people that in person that want to read your book and 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 i love to i have a large shelf of autographs of people and i have everybody i mean i have that first person oh my gosh. Who i mean just themselves. looking at your background oh yeah <laughs> your office right now my <laughs> office this is my writing space yeah it is it is an adhd's dream you can't even see all of it because there's so much going on in this room yes i i have met a lot of quote unquote my movie heroes uh they they have all been some of the night danny trejo i reach out to shake his hand and he puts both of his hands around mine and i still have hand left he is a tiny man and he was so humble <laughs> and so sweet i'm a big guy if you haven't met me i'm a big guy um and and he was the most humble sweetest man i've ever met and he you need to get him on your show he wrote a book about his about his life oh that'd be fun yeah uh he uh oh you do that I'll, i want to be there i'm telling you <laughs> sweet, sweet and i mean he had a rough life he went to prison he turned it yep. around um and just as humble as he could be uh uh tobin bell uh, you know, Jigsaw, mm -hmm. I, he asked me what I did. Some of them really talk to you. Like, I mean, I mean, it's not just placation. I mean, they really, 
really, uh, you know, want to get to know you and, and everything. And some of them, some of them, their handlers are like, you got to move these people along. We got to get, yeah. more people <laughs> there. Like, we're talking, you know, yeah. uh, I told Tobin Bell, me what I did. And I said, I write serial killer novels. And I told him I had loved, loved his work in that movie. And he was, he's, he's, he's like, that's so, so he was like honored that somebody who wrote serial killers was impressed with what he did. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm impressed what you did. <laughs> I love what you did. It was amazing. And some of them, they just, it's so much fun if you get a chance to go to one of these things and meet these people and, and, and have a blast. And then the best part is, is yes. Okay. I met some, I met William Shatner. I met these other people. And, uh, but then I've met authors like you who are just starting out and have written some great books that people really need to check out. You know, they're not on the bestseller list, but they have written some wonderful books. There are artists. I have art all over this wall from from local people who have done, you know, just I mean, there's a there are amazing pieces. There's one on the wall now that's I can see from here that's that's uh, Calvin and Hobbes, but it's Chewbacca and Han Solo done in that art style. <laughs> and it's great. I mean, there are people, I, uh, I, I, I use, my daughter loves Scooby-Doo, so she has all these Scooby-Doo prints done from people that are not, you know, that draw this stuff, and she loves them, those are always great Christmas presents, <laughs> and, and it's so much fun, because they'll do such great art, I mean, if you love that kind of stuff, go to a show, enjoy, meet people, I know you tend a lot of them, um, and, and it's just so much fun and, and there's nothing better than meeting the author, whether it be a Brandon Sanderson or it be the guy down the street who's written mm -hmm. this or woman, you know, who's written his first book or her first book. And, and just to, just to read it is, is make the, the love and the work they put into it is so cool. So I highly recommend five stars, go to some comic cons and Definitely. enjoy yourself for sure. So yeah, I'm excited to get out there again and travel and meet people and, and it's just so much fun and to hear what people think or why they even want to pick it up. You know, it's like, Oh, I want to read this. This looks so cool. And it's just such a rush. Cause you're just, again, I don't care how going I am. It's still so humble when somebody goes, I want to read your book. And, and that's mm -hmm. a great feeling, you know, that people really want to see your stuff and, and, and ask for more. Oh gosh, it really is. It really is. Buddy, this has been awesome. It's been, it's been way too long. Uh, I know we haven't been able to socialize uh, as much because of COVID. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I think I got to hop in, uh, hop in the group there for an hour mm -hmm. in the, back in the late summer or fall, something like that last year. And that's been like my one and only time last year after uh, COVID hit and yeah, it's well, you know, we're trying to zoom our, our meetings and that uh, I've come to realize that not everybody has the internet like they want us to believe. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. that is the biggest thing. It's and, and teaching's been been interesting with uh, you know, it's like we got internet. No, you don't. <laughs> you think you have internet, <laughs> but you don't have internet. Yeah. So <laughs> well, uh, I, before we get over to your reading, I did also want to uh, congratulate you. You joined the ranks of uh, grandparents like myself. So I did. pretty awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. She's, I think at this point as we're recording this, she's about six and a half weeks old. Oh, I got to watch her a little bit this weekend. She was in between me and my keyboard. So we know how much writing <laughs> got done, but uh, we've already read uh, Green Eggs and Ham. And we read, uh, you know, uh, there's a monster at the end of this book. 
Oh, yes. And uh, there was an Easter Bunny one. I don't remember the title, uh, but there was an Easter Bunny one. And then I read her my reviews for my new book. She went right to sleep. <laughs> it's a five-star review. Come on. <laughs> Wake up. She, she's going to be a reader whether she wants to be or not. I mean, the, oh, my you know, her, her mother and her, and her, and her aunt, uh, her twin sister, uh, aunt uh are big readers so i i i have a feeling she'll uh she'll be a, a reader as well if not i don't know whose grandchild she is <laughs> i want her to be bigger so she can like go sit on my table and like be wednesday or are a little bit older a little bit older she can be judith from walking dead you know oh, there you go uh, i already i already bought her an outfit i already bought her an outfit <laughs> She's so small though; she hasn't grown into her onesie yet. But I got her. I got her a little ass kicker. <laughs> I go. Uh, she's just. Oh uh, yeah. So thank you so much. That's that's exciting. That was uh, uh, something that's great. And like I said, I I think she'll get to travel with Grandpa and go to shows and 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 really enjoy. And and I, I well, I can't imagine her not being a reader. I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, best of luck to you with this, uh, with this book. I, I think, uh, you know, we were talking before, show. I think you're right. I think this is going to stand out. This could be uh, your new book, the one that people are going to start to uh, relate you to. You know, you're, you've got the zombie history, the dark stuff, but I, I think there's just... I, I think this is the one, man. You're gonna it would really... not hurt my feelings if this became the book that, no, I mean, I, I am known for my serial killer novel. I mean, people start to recognize me because of that, which, mm -hmm. you know, to all three of you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, was Rodney Dangerfield said, uh, he said, he said, uh, my fan club broke up. The guy died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it would not hurt my feelings if this became like the book that, that I'm known for or uh, this character in several books because he's so much fun and yet he can go dark places and still come out happy. And, and like I said, my mom can read it there and it's still enjoyable and it's not fluffy in any way, shape or form. I'd say there's no unicorns, but it is a fantasy adventure. You never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that would not hurt my feelings at all. Cause this was, this is, this is, this has been great and a lot of fun. And again, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, it's been a blast. Uh, it really has been really has. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, that book is Sergius Blackmane, Demi Human Gumshoe and the Dark Elf. Having a sample chapter read by our guest today, William Schlichter. The floor is yours, my friend. All right. Uh, chapter one, Dead Partner. The Great War is over. Prohibition is in full swing and fairies have the right to vote. Sprinkle dust, Faye, not those bloody orcs. Don't give me any bleeding heart, love thy enemy buggery. Ending a war with signatures on a paper doesn't change what I witnessed. No way. The only good orc is a dead one. Dwarves are born hating orcs, and I'll die hating orcs. Cops would be a close second. I've got no ancestral urge to butcher them, but I don't have a desire to cooperate without a warrant either. I'm jammed between two uniformed officers in the back of a coop. I'm not under arrest, so I don't appreciate the perp treatment. Sandwiched between them, one thing is clear. I'm not trusted. I've nothing better to do. My caseload is open. Private dicks aren't normally called to the busting of a rum runner ring, especially dwarf detectives outside the quarters. 
I've got little to do with prohibition other than it's a law I fail to practice. Meat is a staple among the mountain dwarf diet. I slip a golden clamshell case from the inner pocket of my trench coat and remove a cigarette. I prefer pipes, but in a pinch, a cig will do. If I don't catch a case after this, I'll have to roll my own. The driver hits every pothole in the road before pulling into a field. They let me out. I crush my cig, using the moment of freedom to grind the cherry into the green grass. I'm not manhandled, but the brusque movement of my escorts suggests I'm expected to follow the officers. The sight of wooden box after wooden box being dragged from the barn makes me want to cry. Uniformed men outside smash case after case labeled perfect maple syrup. And their acts are the true crime. Hard rum vapors hover in the air, wafting from the growing pile of shattered glass and growing pond of brown liquid soaking into the ground. My escorts bring me to the man in charge. His suit gives away that he's no patrolman. I can't get over the paisley print stitched into his blue silk tie. His tie reveals his talents if a person knows what the symbols mean. He's a human, and human mages are a dying breed. Mages have always been feared. Hell, they used to be burned for heresy. I light another cig. We found a body. Now a body does pique my interest. Bodies are to be expected when rum rudders are raided, but not always. Most middlemen bootleggers surrender, and the lawyers have him out on bail within 24 hours. But other than drinking the product, I have nothing to do with such nefariousness. Anyway, I don't deal with stiffs. They tend to skip out on the check. Agent Edge Angel, since when does the Justice Bureau's Mage Division enforce the National Prohibition Act? I speak with disdain, mostly because of the smell. Magic stinks worse than the wafts of spilt rye. Sergris Blackmane. He bites off my clan name as if it were tough, overcooked meat. Magic crimes are on a downward trend since the end of the war. Drinking-related crimes are rising. When you pass a pointless law to help those returning from the war to curb their drinking, you create more criminals. The Great War wielded the tools of men over ancient mysticism. Europa suffered centuries of, of culture was decimated, and the magic failed to restore the old ways. This surly baboon won't admit mages of any race are going extinct, but I'm here about a dead body, not a dead culture. I puff a series of smoke rings, contemplating how best to remind him wizardry is obsolete. The trenches gutted the ancient countryside, destroying the old ways. No magic will ever bring it back. Edge Angel wags a finger towards the silver runes etched beads laced into my beard's braids. A long-standing dwarf superstition. Some claim the runes have a charmed origin. The technology of men rules the world now, but I didn't ask you here to discuss the demination of the old ways. I figured not. I stand next to the classy G-man. Even on a government salary, his suit is tailored. Mage users are elitists. I'm not a fan. Mage has failed us in Europa. The G-man gazes down his long nose at me. Not because of my height. Dwarf is a species, not a size. I reach a stature of five feet without the fedora. Edge Angel's blue eyes reveal his distaste for me, or perhaps he just thinks all non-mages are beneath him. I don't need the gift of clairvoyance to understand his assignment was no career builder. Rum running busting is a job for the common officer, not a master of the dark arts. 
Agent Edge Angel marches past the men carrying case after case of booze from the barrel house. They must smash it here on site. Somehow, if they don't, it never arrives to be booked into evidence. Another reason the lawyers get the minions out on bail so fast. No proof. We continue past a paddy wagon. The shackled men ignore me. In the back room of the barn, maybe for tools or tax storage, a white sheet shrouds a human figure. The corpse isn't wide enough to be a dwarf. I had thought maybe a dwarf crossed the line to work outside the quarter, which might have explained my presence here. Edge Angel might have supposed I knew a dwarf. Men always think dwarves know each other. We all look alike to them. A red bloom of blood is centered over the forehead. Edge Angel kneels, gripping the corner of the blanket. Prepare yourself. I've seen dead bodies before. Dead ones don't disturb me like those of the living. I crush out my cig. My beard braids can't hide my gaping mouth or my right hand, which drops to my side in search of my axe. I know him, this human man. We chewed some of the same earth in the war and partnered afterward at the detective agency. Why in Thorne's beard is his blood all over the floor in illegal whiskey barrel house? Rye whiskey, good stuff. I hold back the impulse to open one of the jugs of maple syrup and guzzle half to block out the gut-riching pain of losing someone who's shared the darkest experiences of my soul. But no, I'm not about to expose my pain before this wizard. His face is a bit of a mess, Edge Angel says. His nose is broken, no other signs of a beating, but he wasn't given time to bruise before death. They improved on his looks, I joked. Dwarves and humans normally don't bond, but war changes people. Mason was my partner. Our names are painted together on the door of our office. You two work in a case, Edge Angel asks, all business? Not that I know about. Our bank account is drier than that of the desert. Nothing. I crouch on my hams. What are you doing? Checking his pockets. Tampering with evidence. My partner's dead. I plan to find out why. I can't do any investigating without clues. Edge Angel nods reluctantly. I reach into my dead partner's coat pocket and fish out a few items. His wallet, a pen knife, his wedding ring, and a black matchbook from the Dark Elf. I palm the matches. A possible clue. Humans aren't welcome in the quarter's most popular nightclub. He must have caught a case, or someone thought he did. Edge Angel muses. Maybe he learned a little too much. <laughs> According to his wife, she claims he knows too little about too much. Don't all wives think that? Edge Angel hints he might have a sense of humor. Not the way I want to start this week. Do that magic trick. Show us what he last saw. I'm not a necromancer. Magic's magic. Edge Angel drops the sheet, pointing a finger at my face. Listen, dwarf, I did you a solid. He did, but only for his career. He locks in a raid with enough barrels of rum, and he gets to go back to magic misconducts. He asks, you own a heater? Don't have much use for one. I got my fill firing several varieties of weapons in the war. No reason not to sing. Got two in the safe at the office. Even got a little white card says I can carry. 38 caliber. I eye the forehead of my dead partner. Blood escapes, only to pull around his head. That means he was shot right here. The hole in the skull is about right for a 38 caliber bullet. Don't need some fancy medical expert to tell me as much again. The war. Some of those poor boys bleeding in the trenches could have been diagram posters for bullet caliber sizes. You want to see them? No squawks for me, wizard, as long as you got a warrant. 
Hell, as far as I know, it was from R-38. Mason could have been carrying it, and one of those men outside could have taken it from him. Take it easy. I wouldn't allow you to check him if I thought you did it. None of them outside of a 38 caliber pistol. I stand, the perfect picture of control. Control is not stomping my dead partner's already maimed face for leaving me in a mess. Did you glamour them? You know the law. I tug on a beard braid. This will be your only chance to question them. Likely you'll never even get real names on a rest report. The system favors the criminal. I step past Edge Angel to take a gander into the barn. The coppers have yet to drain a fourth of the liquor stores. Only one organization can stash this much booze in one location. I wonder if the G-Man knows this observation connects with the matchbook clue. Dew melts from the field, which is now a makeshift parking lot. Five buckets belong to the coppers, all new cars painted with fresh stars on the doors. Three more trucks with flatbeds for hauling barrels might be the bootleggers. Then there's a coupe I rode in and the paddy wagon. A final pair of taillights peeks out from the far side of the barn. Forced to stand along the outside of the wagon, seven men, manacled to each other, sneer at my approach. I rub my jowl, giving my best angry dwarf eyes. They won't speak to me even if I beat on them. Then as Edge Angel strolls past each man, he raises his right hand. It glows a baby blue. Did you plug the man inside? You can't use magic to search us. The goon next to the goon who spoke digs his elbow into the ribs as a reminder that if he shuts his yap, they'll all be back on the streets by lunch. One of the young officers whaps the elbow-throwing goon in the gut with his nutcracker, a gentle reminder that beating down suspects is the copper's job. What Edge Angel said is true. No courts allow magic-obtained admissions of guilt. That said, I'm not the courts. Edge Angel signals the uniformed officer to cart the men off. None of them did it. My face must match my red hair. I could still beat it out of one of them. I'd thump the protester first since I lack a rubber hose. They know who did it. Their boss, the most powerful being in the city, which makes my job difficult. The death of my partner cuts my access to half the suspects in the city. Dwarves aren't regulated to the Dima human quarter, but we stand out in the human sector of the city. It was the second reason for our partnership. A man teamed with a dwarf could go anywhere in the city. We'll find his killer, Sergus, Edge Angel says. It's a human-on-human -human crime. I'm sure it will be a top priority. If you learn he was on a case, you call my office. He waves a hand as performing a fancy card trick. I snatch his business card that appears out of thin air. Made just too arrogant for their own good. No one is going to solve Craig Mason's murder unless I do it. In the old days, before medical examinations, I'd have stood over him, drawn my knife, and cut my arm to allow drops of blood to cement my oath. Today's coppers would target a dwarf as the shooter if I perform the right now. I'll check with Rhoda. You still working with that one? Fairies are going to demand more money along with the right to vote. They'll unionize. Go get yourself a human woman to push your papers. No self-respecting human woman would work in the quarter even if it's right across the street from the human sector. Okay, there we go. Uh, no voices from me this time, but that was the voice of William Schlichter, reading a sample chapter from his latest book, Sergis Blackmane, Demi-Human Gumshoe and the Dark Elf. The book comes out 
on May 27th. It's about a month out and you can pre-order it right now. So click that link in the show notes and pick up a copy for yourself. I'm getting mine, so make sure you get yours. Uh, don't forget to also hit those links to find and follow all of our podcast friends and sponsors. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I am back with Karen Huff with her debut novel, Ground Control. Until then, take care, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.